You're listening to the SSPX Podcast. In this week's episode, we're going back to questions with Father. Questions with Father number 25 with Father Paul Robinson. It's been a couple months since we've had an episode of Questions with Father. We recorded this on January 31st of 2020 due to some scheduling with a podcast about Lent and then uh, the new Immaculata interview with Father Rutledge from last week. We're just now getting to posting this interview with Father Robinson, but it does hold up. You'll notice a couple references, though, about winter and priors meetings and things like that. But in this episode, we're going to be asking Father about whether or not it's okay to listen to a recording of the rosary to help you meditate along with the rosary. We'll also talk to him about binding spirits and the concept of ancestral sin, something that's getting some traction in some circles these days. And we will also discuss general confessions, when it's possible to make them, when we should make them, and when we shouldn't make them. All those topics and more coming up right now on the SSPX Podcast. Back with another edition of Questions with Father on the SSPX podcast and joined by Father Paul Robinson. We're recording this on the last day of January. And Father, how has your winter been in Denver after a long, long time in Australia? Well, Andrew, I mean, um, it's it's been an interesting winter there in Denver. We had two big snows, one at the end of October and one at the end of November. But then uh, December and January have, have been relatively warm. So um, it's kind of uh, strange weather patterns, but um, overall, it's been quite good. Good, very good, and and settling into life as uh, as a prior of Saint Isidore's there. Yes, definitely. Um, there's there's plenty of activities going on, and just uh, trying to keep uh, on top of everything and and uh, get adjusted to all the new duties. Sure, sure thing. Well, I'm I'm sure you're handling it with with grace and, and no, no big deal at all. Right. Just a few extra duties thrown on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's, it is a big deal, but, uh, hopefully there is some grace moving around, uh, at the same time. (laughs) It certainly, it's a, it's a big job and, um, yeah, pretty, pretty, it can be quite intense, but, um, hopefully as I say, I'm able to stay above water. Absolutely. Well, let's let's dive into a few questions we have from our listeners uh, for this episode, Father. Uh, The first one comes from Elizabeth, who wanted to know, what exactly is a general confession? When should it be sought? And how does one go about seeking it? So I guess, like we always do, start with the first question. Uh, What is a general confession? Well, general confession is is when you want to confess um, sins that you've really already confessed. That's why we call it a devotional confession. So what you're confessing you're not really obliged to to confess the sins, but you have a particular reason for reconfessing sins that you already have confessed. Um, some people will think that well, a general confession is just when you go to confession for uh, to cover a long period of time, and that's not the case. I mean, if so, if someone hadn't gone to confession for ten years and then they go to confession, um, that's that's not a general confession because um, simply they have not gone to confession in ten years. It's just a confession for a very long time. Um, okay. So a general confession is saying, okay, I've already confessed these sins from the past. I want to choose a certain period from, wh- from which to, to confess the sins of that period once more. If someone said, I wanted to confess all the sins of my whole life, um, when they just gone to confession the previous week, um, then, then that would be a general confession. The, the specific nature of the general confession is that you're, you're reconfessing sins that you've already confessed for a certain period of your life. So in a sense, it's similar to uh, what is commonly said at the end of, of a confession. Uh, I remember when I was taught in first grade, 
you know, how to properly make a, a good confession. I was taught by the sisters. Uh, at the end, you say, for these and all the sins of my past life, I am truly sorry. It's it's sort of like that. Uh, that's kind of the mini general confession that we say at the end. But uh, it's it's not that your sins haven't been forgiven. Of course, they have been if you've made a good confession. But it's a, uh, a for the purposes of showing contrition or to uh, truly re-examine uh, a past period of time. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the purpose for making a general confession is that you um, you recognize that what makes confession efficacious is really the contrition that you bring to the confession. So we go through our life and we, of course, we confess our sins as best we can at, at the time we, we make a confession. But there are there can be times when we can do even better than we've done in the past. And that's especially true of a retreat. And, and the reason why St. Ignatius wanted that general confession to be in there is that the retreat provides a very special environment for the retreat, um, whereby they're able to see the supernatural realm to uh, much, much greater clarity. And as a result, they're have, able to have a, a greater sense of the wickedness of sins, uh, the greater sense of, of the greatness and goodness of God, and really to have that, that deeper contrition that will make their confession so much more efficacious. So it's just the retreat is, is a special context for, for making a very good confession. And so typically, um, as I say, in the Ignatian retreat, uh, unless a person is scrupulous, uh, they, will, they will go through with that general confession. They will do it with greater contrition. Um, they will better prepare themselves for the reception of Holy Communion through that confession. And they they will also provide for themselves a certain peace and tranquility for the future. I mean, if if in the future if they you know they go back home and the months roll by and and they're thinking about um, their past, perhaps some memory comes up from their past and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. um, did I did I ever confess that? You know, or um, did, did did I say it in the way I was supposed to say it? Well, you know, the fact that they've been on a retreat and they've done that general confession can be a great comfort to to prevent them from falling into scruples or or, or thinking that they haven't confessed their sins properly in the past. So that, that general confession sort of covers everything and, and they should be content and at peace. That makes a lot of sense. You were, you've been talking about retreat and, and that's commonly the time when people make their general confession or a general confession. Uh, are there any other times, uh, is retreat really the only time that you should be making a general confession or are there other times when you could make a general confession? Uh, I, and I would assume just a quick follow-up there. You probably want to let the priest know ahead of time, not just do it in line on a Thursday evening. Yes. <laughs> Typically, <laughs> the general confessions take take a while. I mean, if you have 40 retreatants, you know, so it's, it's good to have like four or five priests around because it can go on sure. for hours. But, you know, the, the, there is one other situation in which it can be good to make a general confession, and, and that is when you're changing your state of life. Um, mm-hmm. Like if a young woman is is about to to take vows in a, in a convent, or um, for instance, right before um, you're getting ordained as a priest, or you're you're going to become married pretty soon. The fact that you're you're entering into this new state of life, um, it can be good to to sort of wrap up that that first period of your life with a general confession. Just do a thorough confession. Um, it can be it can act as a preparation for for entering into that new state of life. And it can also be a way of just wrapping up in a sacramental way all the sins that you have confessed from the past. That's very interesting. And, and we've talked about the benefits of, of a general confession uh, 
mainly being, you know, remembering that the sins of our past life will, will give us better contrition. There are, there are other ways that a general confession will help as well, uh, beyond just increasing our contrition or giving us uh, uh, more of an, uh, of an idea of what we should be sorry for, I guess. Yes. I mean, we, we all know that when we go to confession, we really receive graces that, that help us not commit the sins that, that we've confessed. So, if we are able to go to confession and have that greater contrition that strengthens us for the future, not to fall back into those sins. Um, also, the, the fact that the, the contrition is, is related to the thoroughness with which we get washed with the precious blood of our Lord. When you stain your clothes, the stains, depending on what, what it is, if it's ketchup or coffee or whatever, um, the stain may be of a, of a different intensity, a different deepness in your soul. On, on the reverse side, the intensity of the, that contrition that, that wipes out that stain more thoroughly, that allows the blood of our Lord to, to wash out that stain more thoroughly. You know, that's one of the reasons for uh, the sacrament of extremunction is, is that we, even after we've gone to confession, we still have some vestiges of sin left on our soul that, that hopefully the, the extremunction is able to wipe out. But, but as they say, if we have that more thorough contrition, when we go to confession, um, that is a way of, of getting those deep stains of, of sin um, out of our soul and hopefully purify our soul more thoroughly than we have in the past. That's wonderful. And just a, a quick follow-up, the general confession, if let's say you went on retreat two years ago and you're going to go on retreat again this year, a general confession is is uh, for your entire life or is it just the general confession from the last time you went to a general confession? Typically, it's, it's just from the last time that you did a general confession. Um, so if, if I went on retreat in, in, in 2017 um, and I made a general confession then and I, and I wanted to go to retreat this year, then I would just make a general confession from 2017 to 2020. So I just do a, a sort of a three-year period there. Um, and, and the reason for that is, I mean, if, if we're just um, always making general confessions that go all the way back to the beginning, um, it, it can be a, a, a motive for, for scruples. It can make us slip into scruples in the sense that sure. a lot of times if people are coming to the priest and they say, Father, I just want to make a general confession from the beginning of my life uh, again. And like and I'm like, how many times have you done that? And he's like, well, I've done it 25 times. I just want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, no, look, I really don't think it's going to be good for you because I, I really think that, that you're lacking the, the trust that God is forgiving your sins or or you're, you're seeing confession as just this perfect recall where you have to totally remember every single circumstance and you're having the wrong notion of, of confession. Um, and, and that's why you don't have peace of soul. And, and in order to give you that peace of soul, I want to tell you that those confessions are fine. And you, there's no need for you to make that confession for your whole life. Um, so, I mean, the, the problem is that sometimes people are not doing the general confession for devotional reasons to have that greater contrition. But really, they're, they're trying to get uh, a more perfect recall, a, a better memory of their sins, a more um, thoroughness at the material level of the confession. And that, that's not really healthy uh, spiritually. Sure, that makes sense. Well, thank you for clarifying that, Father. That's uh, it's a great help understanding more about the general confessions. Uh, moving on to the next question. Uh, the questioner says, is it permitted to say one's rosary with a rosary audio recording? And 
in that sense, alternating back and forth like one would normally do in a group of people. Uh, she said, I've seen various ones made available over the years and assume that it's okay. Uh, since I live alone, it might actually help me to concentrate better. So uh, what say you, Father? Is it okay to say the rosary along with an audio recording? Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of priests like myself out there who, I mean, when, when, when I'm on a mission run, um, it's just so helpful for me to to have a, a recording of a rosary. I, I typically use the uh, recording they did at St. Thomas Aquinas Seminary. It was, in fact, it was done um, in, in Winona the year before I, I arrived, but um, it's just, it brings back to me memories of, of me praying the rosary um, at the seminary uh, in, you know, in, the, in the Latin. Um, so it, it, it's a great facility to focus on the rosary when you're driving, when you can be so distracted um, to have that, that back and forth with the recording. And I mean, perhaps the, the, the reason why the person is, is asking the question is he or she might be thinking about assisting at a mass with, with a video, what have you. And, and that's, that's actually different. I mean, because you can't actually assist at a mass by, by watching it on TV. Um, you're not really assisting. I mean, you, you may be praying the prayers, but it doesn't count for, for mass attendance. Um, but if you pray a rosary with a recording, I mean, you are actually praying the rosary. It is, it is a valid rosary, um, whereas it's not, it's not a valid assisting at Mass if you, if you just watch it um, on, on satellite TV or something. Certainly. I, and and I, th I think any, any of the priests, and, and you included, Father, would say anything that will uh, benefit your devotion with, with saying a prayer like this uh, is, is you know, going to be helpful. So if it's helpful for you to even take a walk and uh, say a rosary, or, you know, if that, if that's the best way that you can uh, meditate and, and pray, then, then do it. That's, that's absolutely right, um, Andrea. And then that's, that's a very Ignatian approach. I mean, St. Ignatius says that in the spiritual exercises that uh, when you go to do your meditations, I mean, choose the posture that's, that best facilitates prayer. And it's, it's definitely true with respect to the rosary as well, because it is, it, it's not easy to meditate on the rosary and say it with the focus that we should. And so if we find something that can help us out, um, obviously that's reverent and, and, and worthy, or worthy and reverent means for doing that, then by all means, make use of it. Well, I, I'm going to need to go home and tell my wife that father said I was very Ignatian. How about that? I know. Well, um, just, <laughs> hey. uh, be careful with the discernment of spirits. <laughs> Fair enough. Just a quick break to let you know about a couple resources that are available to you. Father just mentioned the recording that he likes to use of St. Thomas Aquinas Seminary, uh, praying the rosary in Latin. That is available, provided by St. Thomas Aquinas Seminary, and we have a link to that in the show notes of this podcast. So if you click on the description of this episode, you'll find a link to uh, that audio file. You can listen to it online or you can download it for $5 and that will go to help support St. Thomas Aquinas Seminary. So if you'd like to download that specific recording that Father was talking about, we have the resources to give you that. Speaking of devotions and praying along with devotions that Father is recommending is a good practice. We did release about a week and a half ago a recording of Stations of the Cross from Good Friday of last year. Uh, that is available for free on sspxpodcast.com. So if you go to sspxpodcast.com, click on episodes, you'll find recording of Stations of the Cross. That was released just a couple weeks ago. So you can go there, download that, and you are welcome to use that for your devotions during Lent or at any other time as well. While you're on sspxpodcast.com, this podcast does take resources. It takes time, but it also takes money. Uh, and we have been uh, very thankful for those of you who have been able to donate so far and who have been uh, signing up for recurring, recurring donations. If you are able to do so, simply $5 or $10 a month 
you can do that. Just go to sspxpodcast.com, click on the donate link, and you will have directions on how to do that safely, securely, easily. Uh, and that really does help us quite a bit. Back to the podcast. Father and I are still laughing about me pretending to be Ignatian, and we'll move on to the third question. <laughs> Let's move on to our third question then, Father. Um, the questioner said, recently I have heard traditional Catholics using these terms more frequently. Uh, and these terms are in, in quotes, generational spirits, healing the family tree, ancestral sin, and the use of, quote, binding prayers. The questioner continues, would Father Robinson be willing to discuss these topics in one of these podcasts? It would be helpful to have some clarification. Uh, I'll be honest, Father, I'm not super familiar with what these terms even mean. So uh, this one's all on you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, one of the reasons why why um, I wanted to choose this question to speak about it is is that several people in, in the past couple of years have, have asked me about this. I think it's becoming a thing in traditional Catholic circles. Um, typically, these ideas were prevalent among uh, charismatic groups in the church, um, but there's also some traditional Catholic priests who are spreading these ideas. Um, and, and the idea is that some of the evils that, that people might suffer in their lives, especially uh, addictive behavior or um, some sort of moral problems or psychological problems or social problems, um, they're, they're really um, an effect of behavior of their ancestors. Um, so that, that somehow their ancestors, whether it be you know, one generation, five generations or whatever, um, engaged in behavior that has affected their descendants. Um, so their, their ancestors might have had a particular inclination towards a certain type of sin that they're now committing, um, or their, their ancestors actually committed certain sins that are now affecting them. Or, or even their ancestors have cursed them, have, have sort of passed a, or issued a curse on their family line. And as a result, um, the, the current person is, is suffering from that behavior of their ancestors. And they have the, the inclination towards the sins they're committing, whether it's their pornography addiction or their drug addiction or, I don't know, their mental health issues. Um, mm -hmm. or, or some sort of bondage that they're in, under from their, their ancestors binding them in some way, or there's, or there's some sort of demon that, that haunts their family tree and is binding that family to these, these types of sins. The people who uh, follow this practice, do they, do they believe that by praying for their ancestors, they can somehow uh, solve or, or uh, heal those sins of their ancestors and, and break, break that chain. Uh, and I guess maybe that's where binding prayers comes from. And then by that result, they are less inclined to, to follow that generational sin, so to speak. These people are generally offered certain practices and specific prayers that will uh, supposedly break that bad spell that's, that's on them. Um, the coming from their ancestors, but um, I, I think the, the, the binding is, is a question of binding the demon, binding the family demon. You know, in the book of Tobias, you have the angel Raphael. There's this demon, Asmodeus, who is causing big problems for Tobias and his future bride, Sarah. And um, the angel Raphael, the archangel Raphael, binds the, the devil. And I, I think the idea is that, that you say these special prayers and you will somehow bind the devil and prevent him from exercising his malevolent influence upon you and upon your family tree. And so in that way, you not only 
set yourself free, but you also, in a certain sense, set your ancestors free by binding the demon. Well, it again, I'm I'm just now hearing about some of this for the first time. It and I'm not trying to be overly judgy here, Father, but it doesn't seem like a very uh, Catholic way of looking at things. It seems almost uh, like a superstitious way of of uh, be- behaving or, or a superstitious way of believing about, you know, ancestors and how they could carry sin. Yeah, no, I, and I, I think um, one thing that's important for us to to do when we, when we hear about these sort of novel practices, you say, I've never heard of this. And I think a lot of people haven't, haven't heard of it. It's just not, didn't appear in our catechism instruction when we were growing up right. or anything like that. Um, so it's good for us to say, where, where does this come from? Kind of like, as they say, the, the the charismatic movement in the church with 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 people getting slain in the spirit or what have you, and say where does this come from? And we, when we trace it back, we say, well, actually, it's Protestant in origin. Um, in in the case of these prayers and this this view of of the, our ancestors sort of dominating our present life, um, it actually did a- appear firstly among Protestants in the 20th century, but through the influence they were getting from from pagans when they were doing missionary work. So there's a certain Protestant missionary, uh, Kenneth McCall. He's the one who started this practice of trying to heal the family tree. And based on on his preaching this this idea, it started to get momentum and and became a movement. And then, you know, like a virus, it kind of crossed over into Catholic circles after that. Very interesting. So it uh, seems almost like that that idea of of karma, in a sense, kind of that that pagan sense and and Protestant sense. Could it almost give the give the person who who believes in this theory the the idea that their sins are not really their own fault? Definitely. I mean, it, it definitely is related to to karma or the idea of of fate, where you're in a situation in your life and and things are happening and you just have absolutely no control there's like um, right. there's no free will and and you're saying why why am i addicted to drugs why am i engaged in pornography and and you basically say well i can't help it you know it's it's this curse that's on my family tree or it's it's the the, the behavior of, of my ancestors or it's this demon possessing our family tree that's responsible i'm not responsible it's kind of taking away free will in in the same way that, that people who think of karma they're just like well you got bad karma and what they're mm-hmm. saying is look you can't help it i mean that's that's just it's sorry you're just you just got bad luck um right and there's nothing you really can do in, in order to relieve yourself from from these bad things that happen to you, this idea is it can only come from a worldview where there is no good God who's in control of all. But but it's sort of like good and evil are, are kind of at war, and they're they're of equal strength. And well, you just happen to have be one of those people where where the evil has has more power over you. So I mean, this this is just not at all a a Catholic or or a Christian notion. Uh, and of course, it it does lead people to it, it serves as a sort of scapegoat. It can serve as a scapegoat for people um, to say, "Well, look, I'm not really responsible for my sins," or and, and it can prevent them from really addressing their problems as they ought to be addressed. If if they they're saying, "Well, you know, in order to stop me viewing pornography, what I need to do is say these special prayers." Um, uh, it's not okay. I need to get a filter for my internet, and I need to practice mortification and 
and, and, and I need to um, have someone watch out for me and I need to go to confession. No, I just need to see these special prayers to bind the demon who's, who's making me watch pornography. I mean, that's, right. that's obviously not the right solution. And, and the Catholic mindset also is, you know, obviously accepting the fact that, you know, science, like we've talked about in many other podcasts, Father Science and, and the faith are, are not opposed to each other. Science does show that there are certain characteristics from, you know, genetics, for instance, uh, you know, someone who's a, more easily addicted to alcohol or drugs or something uh, may be more likely to fall into that if their parents are both alcoholics, for instance. Uh, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you, you have to go to the extreme and and use these prayers and, and say some magic formula to release to release that, that addictive uh, impulse. It's you know, you, you do have control over over aspects of your life, and and you do need to take uh, take ownership of that. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the the genetic inclination towards certain things is is something real. Um, but what these these people are conceiving is is not a something on the bodily level, but something on the spiritual level. Like there's some sort of spiritual curse hanging over you. Or there's some sort of spiritual demon that that is uh, possessing your family tree. Um, so this is mm. not at at the bodily level. I think the the, the question of of us having a particular inclination towards uh, alcoholism or uh, obsessive behavior or psychological disorders or what have you through our genetics. I mean that's that's a proven fact. Um, sure. So it's it becomes unscientific and and certainly shady in the theological realm when. When we say this is not um, some sort of predisposition on the basis of my genetics, but it's a predisposition on the basis of, of some curse or some demon. Very interesting. Well, thank you for clearing that up for me, Father. Uh, I didn't even know that was a question I had until <laughs> until we started talking about it. But uh, well, it's it's fascinating. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of uh, funny things out there. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and again, thank you for taking the time. You're in uh, Virginia as we record this at the, at the Priors meeting. Uh, no, no rest for the, for the saintly, I guess. Right, Father? <laughs> well, actually, they, they brought me back here to uh, Winona, back to my alma mater. So it's, oh, it's, Winona. Uh, okay. it's nice to, to, to be back here in, in Minnesota for a little while, um, back at the old haunts where I spent six years, my six years of formation. Oh, fantastic. Well, again, thanks so much for taking the time with us and uh, always appreciate your time. And we look forward to the next installment. My pleasure, Andrew. Thanks for having another podcast with me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the SSPX podcast. Coming up next week, we have our interview with Mother Mary Joseph of the Franciscan Sisters of Christ the King. They're located in Kansas City. It's a very, very interesting interview about their history and the work that they do helping St. Vincent de Paul Academy in Kansas City. Uh, so if you are interested at all or know someone who's interested in vocations, maybe encourage them to sign up for the podcast at SSPX podcast. Podcast.com. There's all kinds of information there about how to subscribe uh, so that you never miss an episode. Also, we will be starting a new series on the liturgy that will be starting here in the next month or so, and more episodes of Questions with Father are on the way. If you are not able to donate, we understand absolutely that not everyone can donate, but one way that you can help us that is absolutely free is to let someone know about the podcast. Tell someone about the SSPX podcast. Help them to discover the beauty and the truth of traditional Catholicism. Also, please help us by rating and supporting the podcast. You can rate the podcast five stars in your favorite podcast app or program or leave a review. That helps us out as well. All of those little methods of helping, that's furthering the apostolate of traditional Catholicism. That's helping more people to see the beauty and the truth that is our Catholic faith. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk with you again next week.